Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast, uh, where what we do is try to connect you guys with everyone on in the fishing industry, whether it be a fisherman, local fisherman, charter captain, guide, uh, plug builders, tackle, tackle shop owners, fish art, whatever it may be, as long as it has to do with something with our industry, uh, we try to connect you with those guests and if anything, help you be a better person, find better products, or just to become a better fisherman. Uh, today, I got my co-host on, you guys seen him on a couple of our episodes before, uh, and we're always proud to have him back on here we we have mr lee wakefield how you doing lee hey buddy how you doing today doing yeah, good man doing good uh we just got that little snow blow in here it melted already so i'm kind of happy the snow is gone um uh, but besides that if another month or two you guess where we're bad we'll be back out there fishing for stripes again yeah so, it's gonna go quick hopefully it's, yeah yeah it's been cold so far it has been cold um the fish are still back there but you know you know are the way our season works here we can't target up in the back which is me, me and your favorite way of targeting. Now, the only other way we love to target them is with plugs. And from what I hear, uh, your guest on today, he uh, he deals in that kind of business. So uh, if anything, I'm going to hand it over to you, Natalie. Make sure you introduce our guest. Yeah, well, today we have a very special guest. Um, he's a very good friend of mine. Um, and like I told Quile a minute ago, um, he's probably my closest buddy that I've never met before. Uh, we talk all the time. And... Without further ado, please welcome in Kevin Brennan of Time and Tide Lore Company. How you doing, Kevin? Doing well, Lee. Thanks for having me on. You know, awesome. uh, just like you guys, I want the snow and uh, weather to just just disappear so I can get out there and start fishing. Although I know some people who are out there fishing, but uh, I got to be in the garage making lures while they're out there uh, having fun freezing their butts off, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a good problem to have, I guess. You know, you got, you got a, a long list of of uh customers that want your want your plug so well let's let's jump right into it um first off we kind of like to ask our our guests to give the listeners you know kind of an idea of who you are and um so just tell us tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into fishing 
Uh, well, I mean, I can blame my father pretty much for everything that has to go on with this category because uh, for as long as I can remember, since I was a little kid, uh, we were just always out there fishing. And I mean, it probably started with, you know, just snapper fishing on a bamboo pole off of a pier, uh, probably, you know, three, four years old and stuff like that. And uh, we actually had a boat growing up. So I I'm an advent surfcaster, but the irony behind this is the majority of my childhood, I fished on a boat. It wasn't a very good boat. I'm not going to tell him that. Maybe I shouldn't let him listen to this part of the podcast. But uh, it was a, a 1959 glass bar. So it was like a back bay type boat. And I live on the North Shore of Long Island. So we fished Port Jeff Harbor for the majority of what we did. And then we would go out into the Long Island Sound. Uh, I mean, we targeted everything from chasing pods of bunker around, snag and drop to uh, chasing weak fish when they were around, which was probably my favorite type of fishing, fishing with uh, salty dogs, jelly worms, just kind of really jigging for them. Uh, little light six you know, foot poles, light tackle, 10 pound test line. Every once in a while, you hook into a cocktail blue that, you know, show you a good time. But um, yeah, I mean, to striped bass, to, to bottom fish. And it was just kind of a, a culture. That's a, a way of life for us. He grew up doing the same type of thing. Um, but his background was actually just more fishing for like carp and goldfish because he grew up in Queens. So he was fishing in ponds and freshwater stuff. So once he started into the saltwater, he kind of brought me along with that. And that was my whole upraising. And then probably around age 10, I would say, he started to bring me surf casting. And it was pretty funny because him and his uh, good buddy, Advent Surfcaster, uh, we call him Captain Mike. He, uh, they would actually blindfold me when we were driving to spots. And I'd be like, guys, like, I don't have a car. Like, I'm not going to get here. Not only that, I'm not going to drive on the beach, you know, on the West end of Long Island. Uh, but it, I always laughed at that, but I, I think it was just a, a testament to the the secrecy and everything that they put into, you know, the sport of, of surf casting. And, you know, I mean, you know, it as well as I do bass fishermen. I mean, we don't, we don't share things for a long time. And if we do, it's just with, you know, our, our really small inner circle. Um, and then, unfortunately, I actually stopped fishing for a really long time. Um, I mean, I grew up, I, I work in the restaurant industry, as you know, I, you know, I own a, a, a restaurant. So that was very time consuming on top of having my daughter, who's you know, going to be 11 next Friday, which is just completely blows my mind. Uh, but, you know, probably about eight years ago, I decided that it was time for me to really just start getting back into it. She was a little bit older, so we were able to kind of manage things. I was able to get out a little bit. I still would do, you know, charter trips and fish on a boat here and there, but it wasn't like we know how to fish. It wasn't, all right, I'm going to go on a bender for a week. I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to drink more coffee than any human being should consume. But, um, and then I slowly started to get back into it. And uh, I mean, here I am now and it's, you know, just a, kind of a way of life. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool backstory. Um, I feel like it's similar for a lot of us. I mean, some people have never, never had that period where they stopped, but I, I know Qual and even myself, it never really went away, but it, it kind of, kind of not the most important thing in your, in your life. And then you get to a point where you, you kind of, kind of miss that, or you kind of realize that that is something that you want to pursue and, and you really enjoy it. And all of a sudden it gets back to where you, you put in year and year, and, you know, they build up and all of a sudden it's pretty much all you think about you know, when's the next trip, when in the off season, what can I, what can I do that can help me next season? Or, you know, you tie bucktails or tie flies or, you know, build plugs. And, and I feel like it's very, very relatable to, 
almost everybody across the the fishing community. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, it's, 100%. It's, it's yeah, I think it's the same way because um, you think about it. I mean, we all, most of us, our dad does get us into it. I don't know. I don't know. My, my dad never tied blindfolded me and tried to, to keep me out of that whole spot burning thing. That's that you know you know you know you guys are like a, it's a New York thing when you 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 blindfold your own son because you're scared he's gonna release the secret location. So it's 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 your dad's hardcore man. I, I'm gonna give him that. <laughs> he's definitely hardcore. But yeah, I think as we grew up. You know, in the beginning, early ages, we fished out. We loved it. And then, you know what? Guess what? We got we got big grownups and life caught up with us, right? So it got put on the back burner and we had to take care of life, go through life, learn our things there. But then as we grow older, we just realized that there, there's so much little happiness in the world that makes us happy. And we think about it. And you know what it is? It's fishing. You know, the simplest thing to do. I mean, some, like, a lot of people, they, they think we just go fishing because, I don't know, we're crazy. But for us, it's it's an escape from like an everyday thing, you know, like work, stress, family stress, whatever it may be. You know, when we get out there, we're on the, we're on the beachfront staring out into that water. Yeah, we could throw a thousand casts a night. But you know what? It's it's it, to us. It's what we want. It relaxes us. It makes us happy. And if we get a fish, it's a bonus. That's all it is. man. That's how I feel. And I think that's how most of us feel about it too. And then, then there's also the friendship among fishermen like us, you know, it's, it's a tight bond that people don't understand that fishermen, when we create our little circles of fishermen and we talk to them every day, it becomes this little bond. We may not hang out every day as friends, but when it comes to fishing, it's, it's this thing that it just clicks. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, while it may sound funny, about you know getting blindfolded but that that's like what did surprise me one bit like that's that's the the, the surf casing community yeah like I, it doesn't it sounds funny but i you know i, I i'm not one bit surprised no he his dad did the right thing and i think i, I would have done the same thing you know you teach him young you teach him the, the it's the rite of passage you know what i mean you got to learn to work for your spots and your dad taught you that i'm not going to give it to you son i'm going to make you learn how to fish this spot and then learn how to find your own spots. And, they, and you, when you grow up, you're going to learn why I blindfolded you. Absolutely. <laughs> let's, um, it's, a, it's a great story. I love that one. Well, let's, we'll get back into the, the fishing part of it. Um, you, you know, what you like to do with the fishing side. But let's, if you have, a, uh, let's give us your background on how you got into the plug building. So actually probably one of the weirdest things ever. So um, my wife at the time had asked me what I wanted for Christmas from my daughter, Haley, because we would always kind of just ask each other and have that one present under the tree that, that came from our daughter. So um, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I don't know, for some reason, I just want to kind of make my own fishing lures. And they're like, all right. So they actually went <laughs> on um, and they bought me a kit from, uh, I believe it was Salty's. Mm -hmm. And it came with like, you know, holographic eyes. It came with the through wire. It came with some, a bag of different plug bodies. It was like a, a couple of pencil poppers and a swimmer, a spooks and things along those lines. And then it sat around for like a year and I just kept looking at it. I'm like, when am I going to like just get onto that? So then I started looking into it and I knew, I knew I had some plug builders out there that I kind of admired. And I was like, all right, I picked it up one day and I'm like, I'm going to get into this. So then I went to like Home Depot and I bought like some various color spray paint. I think I bought like yellow, you know, common color, blue, white. Mm -hmm. And 
I literally spray painted these bodies together, got like a can of KBS clear auto, you know, clear coat to put on it. And, um, you know, through wired, watched a couple of YouTube videos and I'm looking at them. I'm like, man, these things, these don't look appetizing at all. But, uh, I fished, I fished with them and, um, you know, I had a little bit of success, but they were relatively, you know, common lures that we would type use. And then I was like, you know what, but the bodies that I'm getting, they're just not the shape I'm looking for. They're not, I mean, mostly for me, I, I love pikings. That's probably one of my favorite things. I mean, I definitely admire uh, Gary Soldati. I thought the the big style bait and the pikey look was just something that was really smooth. It kind of appealed to me off of the surf. And then I just started, you know, buying tools. I bought one tool and, and then I was like, all right, well, now I need another tool. So next thing you know, I had a lathe and then I had, you know, different sanding bits. I had different drill bits. And then, you know, before I knew it, I had a dust collection system. I had uh, a drill press. And I mean, I pretty much had the entire Harbor Freight collection going on. And it was just in complete disarray. I was taking one off the table, putting one down on the table, moving things around. I was covered in sawdust. I mean, my my entire garage was just covered in sawdust because I was just learning as I was going. Um and then before I knew it, I was like, all right, I think I really need to just start getting organized in what I'm doing. So I was making it for myself. Um, that was pretty much my primary objective. And then once I started looking around, I was like, wow, I really, you slid down the rabbit hole here, Alice. And uh, <laughs> it's time to actually start doing something with what I did. And I thought I was doing a pretty decent job with uh, what I was building. They definitely produced. And I decided to just kind of take a go at it and see if there's a chance that I could you know, start getting my stuff out there. I had everything. I enjoyed what I'm doing. And I think that's probably the most important part now to this day is that I don't make a lot of plugs um, from a standpoint, but I'll do 30 or 40 plugs in a batch uh, roundabout. And it's, it's enjoyable. It's still fun. I don't treat it like a job, um, but it's definitely been an experience, one that I really didn't anticipate or think would ever happen and you know i'm grateful for the opportunity and the support that i've received um in the plug building community i mean there wasn't always support but there was a lot more support than there was animosity um and i guess that's the same in any type of business and uh you know i mean here we are today and and you know i build plugs that's pretty much the coolest thing and um uh, they catch fish yeah that's awesome i feel like the very important part is that you do enjoy it you know at some point you figured out that you know this is something i enjoy and you start putting more time into it and then hey look look where it got you right now yeah i didn't want i didn't want to push it to the point where um i would treat it like a job or not enjoy doing it as much as i did every day i mean i know i probably could but it's also not a guaranteed paycheck at the end of the day um so it's kind of just more, more my passion and the learning experience and the learning curve was, was pretty cool because I knew nothing. I mean, I, you know, if I wasn't working in a restaurant, I would be a carpenter, but you know, carpenters don't use lace and the tools that I was using. So um, I made a lot of firewood. Let's just say that I've made a tremendous <laughs> amount of really good dried Alaskan yellow cedar firewood <laughs> that I paid way too much for, but uh Hey, it's good. You know, we had fires all throughout the summer and the winter to, you know, with quick starters, but it's, uh, it's been surreal and it's definitely something I love. And I, you know, I hope that one day down the line, it, it could be my retirement to, you know, get myself out of a 
restaurant business, which I've been in for 22 years. Yeah, I think behind every every good uh, builder is a pile of firewood. <laughs> it seems like I hear that True story. Yeah, that was that was my my next question. I was like, Kevin, that was, are you still in the restaurant business, owning a restaurant, and then you also so you're doing the plugs on the side? Yeah, still in the, still in the restaurant business. Okay. I uh, I've owned I've owned an Outback Steakhouse for 10 years. I've worked for the company for 15, 22 years total in the in the business. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, it is show season. So are, are you getting really super interactive with the show season? I know you guys, I know a lot of builders get super swamped during the show season. Um, do you get involved with the shows or no? Um, I get asked this a lot. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for me, Saturday is the busiest day of the week and every show is on a Saturday. So traveling and taking off every Saturday through the winter might not be the, the greatest thing for, for my guests and for my people over at the restaurant. Uh, but for me, it's it's just being able to keep up, honestly, mm-hmm. because I can only produce so much uh, on my time. I mean, me being a single father, so my days off are pretty much dedicated to my daughter. And I mean, she plays, you know, high level soccer. So I'm her chauffeur and <laughs> she just bosses me around. And it's, it's honestly, it's awesome. It's probably the best thing ever. But I try and get in as much time, whether it's a few hours before work, a few hours after work or whatever, before I have to pick her up from school. Um, but like I said, I, I kind of just like moving at my own pace and, you know, I'm honest with everybody who purchases plugs for me about how long it's going to take. Certain things can go quicker, but I, I try and stay ahead. And I will say that hopefully next year I could, uh, with some upgrades to the shop, definitely get into my first show and probably have a table. I'd love to do one that we do on Long Island, which is at a local high school, which is around the corner. It's uh, striper day. Uh, yeah. run by surf Capsule journals and a roman yeah. um and he's always been awesome and and super supportive just you know a great guy great author uh love reading his books but that that would be my goal is to get it that specific show um to be my first one because that's been my favorite to to go to over the years and uh i think 2023 is the year that's that's gonna be it that's awesome that, i think that's very attainable for for what you got going on here so you talked a little bit about some of the guys you reached out to and you're just getting started. Who would you say are, you know, some of your biggest influences and how, how could you kind of like respect some of those that have put in 10, 20, 30 years of building without, you know, stepping on toes or, you know, who are some of those guys that you, you know, helped you out and get to where you're at now? Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's, I'd say it's a, a very hard thing to do. I mean, there's, let's face it, there's only so many styles of a fishing plug that, that are going to work. And I mean, you know, these, these things were, you know, handcrafted. I mean, you think about Danny Pickney's and Stan Gibbs and you think about the Musos and, and the stuff that they made. Uh, I, I love how everybody kind of made something that was really specific to where they wanted to fish and what they did. And, and honestly, I, you know, one of the people I, really admire the most for that is probably Chris Voorhees because he literally builds plugs for a spot. Um, and it, it's pretty impressive, but, um, honestly, one of my biggest influences is somebody who builds plugs and doesn't sell them. Um, it's John Crusoe. He's, uh, he's always been a, a great, uh, person to reach out to. I mean, he's got some really, really good, uh, tutelage from some great guys out in the game over the years. Um, and he's, he's always been upfront and honest and he's kind of helped me keep myself being me, if that makes sense. Uh, not really, you know, trying to step on toes or copy anybody's things. And 
I mean, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I've been reached out to by certain people like, oh, well, can you make a, a jointed Ely in this type of style after this builder? I was like, yeah, but I want to make one that's mine. I, I like the style. I'm going to play around with it till it's absolutely mine. Um, but I think the respect piece has probably been, you know, something I learned because, you know, I, I had cut my own lips at one point in time and, and, you know, there's people that do that out there and maybe that wasn't something that I wanted, but once I was able to find the product and really kind of source things that allowed me to, to keep that respect and continue on being my own. Um, and I mean, another huge help for me, um, Patrick LaForge from Atlantic Plug and Lore, um, just super uh, down to earth. And I mean, it's funny, I mean, even just having a conversation with him, it's about, you know, maybe a good bourbon and a cigar and then along with the, the, the lures and stuff, but he's really given me some advice that has helped me exponentially. And, you know, I mean, I've even sent him a few of my lures and stuff and, and he just really supported me and wants me to get better. Um, and then I think, you know, another person that I do speak to on a regular probably be, um, Derek Ashcroft from Lights Out, and I speak to uh, uh, Cesar Carranza. You know, he's just a, a good fellow plug builder that we just kind of, you know, if we have a question about something, it's it's nice to have people that you can reach out to because I think as a plug builder and something that I'm really learning is that we really want people to kind of figure things out for themselves. So it's kind of like have the answer already and see if they approve of the answer that you're shipping over to them. Um, but, you know, there's definitely some great guys out there and, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for, you know, the, the support and, you know, just being able to ask a question that isn't a language that most people probably wouldn't understand. Yeah, there's some some good guys. I, I don't know all them personally. Caesar is, is, is a guy that I do know and he's, he is a super great guy. He's one of my favorite people. I've, I, I talked to him not not super regularly, but, you know, here and there we're, we kind of stay in touch and. I have a couple of his plugs and they work well too, but he's, he is a good guy, but it's, I feel like it's pretty, pretty cool how you have some of these guys that are, you know, they're confident who they are. They're, they're humble about it. And they, they like to see that you're successful and they like to, you know, kind of add to who add to your knowledge and, and are okay with that. Like rather than, you know, I, I understand like the stepping on toes and, and you definitely don't want to go there, but, you know, these guys that you just mentioned, like, it is pretty cool seeing that from an outside um, standpoint, like, they basically are, you know, all about helping you out, with, you know, if you want the help. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the, the thing, what I think is, I think plug builders are slowly fading away. And there's only the few that still does it with wood because of the whole plastic world coming into this game. But respectively, I think wood plugs will always be around, you know, with guys like you and Voorhees and Musso and all those guys. I mean, I know, I know Super Strike and stuff like that are like, they're, they're moving over to plastics, which, you know, it's a table, it's a mass production company. But like, you know, the fact that you guys will are still able to build your own plugs out of your own, you know, out of wood and it's your plug still means a lot in the surf casting world you know i mean you can make certain plugs that swim a certain way if you don't like it you'll change it you add weights all this little stuff tinkering with it and you know you guys can adjust those now people sometimes just they just go out and they buy the store stuff and then it's the same plug that just swims the same way you know you can't really adjust anything 
Um, I mean, like I said, I'm going to give you props for it. It's very respectful that you still stick into the wood game, man. Love it. Love every minute of it. Uh, I, I built plugs like five, six years ago on my own free time, just, just so I could fish. Because there's like you said, you know, sometimes you find a plug out there that just doesn't work the way you want it to work, and you want to you want your plug to swim a certain way. So you, if you build your own, you kind of just just kind of tinker with it until you get it right. Like I still have my my lathe still sitting in the back room, my drill presses, sanding belts, all that stuff is just sitting back there, and I'm just like, and I got a box full of bodies that I've I've cut for like forever, but I just never feel like finishing. <laughs> I mean, you probably have a couple. You probably have a couple project plugs of your own personal that's just sitting around that you haven't gotten able to touch yet. Like maybe a couple, uh, of like, yeah. Like a couple of like uh, R and D, some special stuff you've been working on, but it's just you're so busy with other, you know, getting customer stuff that they're still sitting in the box. I I, I would hope. I have about probably about fifteen uh, slim dandies that are lying around this shop that somebody was asking me to uh to make. I'm not gonna put that person's <laughs> name out there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Not all of them swim. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned um, Voorhees. Um, I'm guessing there's somebody that you look up to. Who else is out there like, in, the, in the plug building world that you um, kind of look up to and kind of see yourself at that point, whether it's 10 or 15 or 20 years down the road? Oh, man. I mean, you know, I always think of, you know, Bill Couch, rest in peace. I thought uh, his yeah. plugs are just flawless Amazing. in so many different ways uh you know his good buddy joe Furman has just always put out a, a great product uh glenn lewis you know i mean the goo goo man is definitely you know and then there's some guys that are just that were small time i mean i think about um connor from washed ashore i mean he was just somebody that i randomly met at a show and we just kind of clicked and he went through the same exact thing that I did. And he literally told me, he's like, at one point I just looked around and I had all these tools and I was like, Oh man, I guess like, I got to do something with these tools. Um, but I mean, there's so many people that I've met that just are doing the same thing. I'm actually part of um, a group chat and Instagram, just of just various plug builders. And it's crazy to see how we all come to this finished product right? This fishing lure. We all do it different. You know, mm -hmm. we all have some sort of crazy strategy or some sort of thing that we've concocted that makes our job easier. And I think, you know, the, the knowledge that we could share among the, you know, the people who really want to help and just kind of blend the styles and to kind of create our own. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I definitely look up to a lot of these builders, but I just want to be me. Uh, if that makes perfect sense, I don't want to be any single one of them because I think um, what has made them so special over the years is the fact that they they were themselves and they were unique and they got to where they are by just simply putting out what they knew was the best possible product. Yeah, that makes total sense, and that's to me that's that's the way to go. Like, there's no need to try to be someone else, even even in in life in general. Like. There's no need, you know, just kind of, I mean, it's, you could, it's, I feel like it's good to take influences from people that are greater than you so surround yourself with people that are, you know, above you and, and you can pick their brains and you can, you know, learn off of them. But in the end, you know, you, you want to be your yourself and, you know, and to me, that's like you said, that's the way to go. All right. So something else I want to ask you um, is, how like what percentage of 
your plug bag is time and tide plugs? Uh, well, for me, obviously fishing wood, fishing bigger plugs, it's, it's, it depends on the size of the plug bag I have at the moment and just exactly how many I can cram in there. Uh, I mean, for the most part, I fish, uh, you know, I use pretty much all Flatlander or an ODM bag. Uh, so usually th three, two bags. So I'll usually go with one full size body in there, depending on if I'm fishing deeper water or lighter water, it would be, uh, you know, a full size pike or a full size uh, hybrid, which is my version of a troller. And then I could probably cram two slims into each one of those. So I'd say excluding bucktails and shads, probably about 50% of what I have in my bag is mine. Um, and there are just certain lures that I know I need. Um, I would, my goal is to eventually fish pretty much all of my own things. Um, but certain spots, certain conditions, uh, you know, I, I have to have that stuff in my bag. And I also don't want to be, you know, two miles away from my truck walking down the, you know, the South side of Montauk or whatever, and not have something I know is really just going to produce at this point in time. Uh, so I'd say it's probably about half in regards to that. And, you know, the other stuff is just various sizes, variations. I mean, I probably have, you know, four different size bucktails in there and various colors and stuff like that. So say about 50%. That's cool. Yeah, no, I've heard um, a couple of the old time builders listen to uh, the Zeno's podcast. You know, he has some of the, the old timers on there and he and they basically said, like, you know, I made a lure because I need it for this, but somebody else makes it better than me. So I'm not going to try and come up with something that they already make and I can't make better. So what's the point? You know, you make make stuff that you, you know, you want to fish a certain way, but somebody else already perfected it. There's no point in in you know fishing something else because that's going to work better um, yeah, that's exactly why i don't make darters <laughs> yeah. there's already a few out there that work pretty well don't they yeah it's just a little bit easier it's a lot cheaper too <laughs> what about um like tell me what the, your feel the feeling is when you do catch a fish on something that you created you know like from start to finish you put all this time into it and it must be pretty pretty awesome feeling oh, man i don't you know i mean there's in the fishing world, I don't know if there's anything like it other than, you know, catching that 40 or 50 pound slob, which, uh, I mean, I've, I've caught a 40 on a boat, but honestly, from the surf, I don't catch a lot of really big fish. I catch a quantity and number of fish and, you know, bigger fish are that type of hunting is, is something I'm honing my skill set on. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, as we say, the tug is the drug and when it's your, you know, pikey or your jointed swimmer or troller that's out there and you're perfectly in touch with it. You could feel every tap of that thing swimming and it just gets wrapped. It's, it's like, yes, like it, you know, like it works and we know it, we, we're on. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. And, and honestly, it's as satisfying as that is, it's probably more satisfying seeing other people catch on my plugs. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you kind of, that confirms what you're what you're what you're doing yourself but at the same time it's like you know can somebody else can somebody else do that and i you know I, I know what you mean with that so do you have a lot of a lot of people in your your wait list you know are you selling to selling to some shops or you know who's what's what's your next uh plan to build coming coming down the road so um, I do find that I sell more in the winter, which is good too, because uh, I've also learned that 
sweat and 90 degree temperatures and sawdust are, they don't mix at all. <laughs> um, so working in the garage sucks. It's, that's, that's definitely something that hurts. And I, I'm working on the, uh, the ambiance in here. I'm putting in a heater and then I'm going to work on some air conditioning and some cooling things so that I can kind of be in here all year round. But um, for the most part, I break my builds down into anywhere from 30 to 50 lures. Um, right now, I currently have one that's all ready to start painting and doing epoxy. Uh, just started another second build. And then I actually just got my first uh, full tackle shop order, which is pretty cool. So um, it's going to be going to a shop in Jersey. Uh, they put in an order for 30 plugs. Generally speaking, if I'm moving good enough and, you know, obviously dealing with this whole COVID environment has not helped anything because being in the restaurant, I mean, I'm, I'm losing people left and right and mm -hmm. got to start working extra shifts and kind of picking up things. So that hasn't helped the situation, but um, I would say over the winter, I'll probably get in, you know, four builds of 30 to 50 plugs. Um, I'm kind of hoping that goes. And I mean, I know it was probably more successful when all the shows were canceled because everybody was like jonesing for their, their lawyers. All right, I can't get this, but it's weird because I almost feel like I can control the pace of what I build. Cause if I post something on Instagram, I start getting messages. If I don't post anything, I, I know I don't have to worry about making too many orders. So when I start getting frisky, I'll start posting a few things and then they start going out the door and it usually just kind of steamrolls into March. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's pretty consistent. It's just, you know, when everybody's fishing is probably my slowest time. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's a good thing because you're not like putting pressure on yourself to, you know, do more than you can do. And, you know, if it gets to the point where you're fishing season, you know, you're not going to want to spend your free time in, in the shop. So you you don't have anybody on your wait list. So you can just, you know, turn yeah. one night, go out and fish three nights. Whenever, you know, that's, me yeah, that's that's a great way to go about it yeah you just use that time to make one or two for myself and then you know get out of the heat <laughs> what's your yeah. favorite no i was gonna ask him that was that's where my next question was about his plug bag it was um we talked about how where he does he builds certain plugs for certain spots now do you have those few plugs that you build for yourself for certain spots too um a few, probably not as many. Mm -hmm. um, I would say mine may be built more on conditions versus mm -hmm. spots but. because I fish more so out in the front. Mm -hmm. I don't fish in the back nearly as much. But. I mean, I built, I built. Um, so, for instance, the uh, the junior hybrid or junior troller that I made, I specifically made to fish like a back bay channel. I needed something that can get down low in the shadow lines mm -hmm. um, and also not be big enough to be swept away with the current and get wrapped around the pole of a bridge because <laughs> that would be no fun. Um, but for me, I, I built them basically on how they're going to hold themselves in the water column and wanting the same profile, whether it be calm surf, moderate surf, or even heavy surf. I mean, for example, I mean, I build my slim pikey with three different style lips and, you know, various types of weighting. Um, but I know that each one will do a certain thing. If I want something that's light and it's going to crawl right on the surface on a calm condition, then I have one. If I need something that I know is still going to produce because they're on bunker, for instance, 
then I can get that out there in a moderate surf and I can get it low enough in the water column to still stay true and still stay in contact uh, regardless of what's going on on the, on the surface. Cool. Gotcha. All right. So your plugs are mostly for certain conditions instead of like more like certain spots. Then. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably just the way I fish. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I do fish some spots consistently, but I'm kind of like a nomad and I, I'll just, I'll just keep moving. Um, I very rarely will hammer away at a certain spot. Uh, well, at least at home on Long Island, I won't, I won't do that as much. If okay. I'm fish, fish in another area, I might hammer away at a spot. Gotcha. So right now on your, um, your product list, um, how many, how many plug styles do you have? Uh, styles. I have four. Okay. Um, I make a pikey. I make my hybrid, which is a troller. And the reason why I call it a hybrid is because mm -hmm. it's the exact same body as my troller and my pikey. It's the mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's the same exact type of body. I just put a different lip on them, or the lip is at a different degree. Um, and then one has a sloped head, one has a curved head. Um, so I make the pikey. I make the the troller. I make um, a Danny one that. Uh, is a little bit larger. Um, we're experimenting on some slims. I make um, a couple of different types of needlefish, um, but I make seven different types of pikeys. Like they're all different things, all different weights. Uh, there's a there's a full size. There's a surface slim. There's a subsurface slim. There's a, a surface jointed. There's a eel skin. Uh, there's one that is just completely crazy because I was messing around with something a long time ago and I wanted to make something different. I call it the sea robin uh, just because its eyes are kind of tilted up. Its body shape is a little bit weird. Uh, it's got this really awkward wobble, but it just works. It's just a heavy, awkward lure. Uh, then I make a junior, which um, is kind of, it's actually pretty versatile because it'll fish slow along the surface, but I have the lip bent aggressively. So if I need to get it down, it'll get down. Gotcha. So we're going to assume that your favorite plug to build has got to be, has, has got to have a metal lip on it, right? Those are your favorites then? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the needlefish is the easiest to build. That involves the least amount of work. But honestly, my favorite is probably uh, my jointed pikey. As much as it's a, you know, a pain in the arse to make, um, it's, it's something I enjoy. It's fun. It involves math essentially when i'm making it and it's just the amount of edges and the the sanding that goes into it it's it's just cool and and when i watch one swim it's i know it's it's worth it because the thing just it crawls along the surface like just a wounded bunker just slowly waddling its way through it throughout everything and for me it's it's almost like a a top water plug even though it's a metal lip so when you do get a hit on it you see it or you hear it and it's uh, it's pretty explosive. So to me, I'd, I'd say that's probably my favorite. I know a lot of plug builders don't like making jointed plugs because it's like building two. Um, I don't sell a tremendous amount of them just because of, of the price point. I mean, it's still fair for for the work that goes into it. But I was actually just making one uh, a little while ago, so it's that's probably definitely my my favorite one to build. I mean, honestly, I don't I don't, I don't think most fishermen worry about pricing because they're, they're you know you know how those guys will line up for like six hours to sit there for like a grs or a black town or so they pay some crazy money for those plugs so i don't think price point you know for your your, your jointed plug is that much it's just 
you know, if it works and it's great, you know, I, I don't see people, they wouldn't put out the money for it. You know what I mean? If, if it's a quality product, you know, definitely people will back it up and definitely will, you know, we're all back it up. If it's a great product. So like I said, fishermen, they get sold on a lot of them get sold on the looks, right? They don't get certain performance. They, a lot of them get sold on the looks, the color and all that. And as avid surf, surf fishermen, like the rest of us, we know that it's not about the color. Mostly it's all about profile and like the basics, right? The whites, the chartreuse, you know, like, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, when it's dark out, you fish dark, like, you know, we know the basic colors, we know they work, they catch fish. That's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's, you know, just everybody kind of has their own theory in in regards to how things work. And, and for me, I, I want to stay fair. I like to keep mm-hmm. myself in that, in that reasonable um, range, but at the end of the day, I do put the best product into my plugs that I possibly can between the wood that I use, the steel that I use, the lips, you know, I mean, I use five X mustad hooks. I, I, I think those are the best hooks that, that are out there. I use, you know, three dimensional eyes. I make sure that everything is subset and whether it be, you know, the grommets for the belly. And I mean, the sanding, Oh my God, the sanding. I, it's, I sand way too much. I don't like flat edges because epoxy doesn't lay on a pure 90 degree angle it just yeah. doesn't so i just round off everything and i mean i don't know if it truly has an effect on the way the lords swim because i've kind of made them both ways but i don't know i just i keep sanding and sanding and sand i mean i'm covered in sawdust all the time and when picking them out of my ears it's it's insane <laughs> i mean do you see in the near future for time and tide that um that you'll be getting into like spooks and gliders and stuff like that. You know how that's been kind of trending gliders, especially uh, and spooks. Well, we've always used them, but like for gliders and stuff like that, you do you see that in the near future for you guys? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I'll make a spook if somebody asks me, I mean, I've made some, I, I mean, I have some for myself lying around here somewhere. I mean, I have a couple of pencil poppers and those are, it's not, I don't really fish them that often. That's mm-hmm. probably the biggest thing for me. Cause I look at those plugs and that's all right. That's my daytime action. And, um, 97% of all my fishing is done at mm-hmm. night. Um, and honestly, if, if I need to have something on a surface, I make a, you know, a six and a half inch stubby floating needle fish that I could pop out there. And it does the same exact thing. It might not really do that, you know, perfect zigzag s shape like a spook but it, it gets the job done but yeah i mean I, I definitely want to start making them gliders are definitely on my list um i mean i have this whole bucket list of of things that i kind of want to get to and and it just continue to create i think that's probably the the biggest thing i mean i'd like to make a few more plugs for myself here and there because i feel like i i only get to keep the ones i mess up because uh, i can't keep up with the orders but i mean they still work but yeah i mean i, I definitely want to broaden what i do i mean you know it's obviously a dream of mine to make a darter, but you know, like we had mentioned before, I mean, why am I going to make that one right now when, uh, I mean, honestly, I'll just throw on a beach master or a super strike and, you know, call a day or actually a, a trickster. Um, you know, God, he makes some really, really solid uh, darters. And then he makes like a headbanger darter, not, uh, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Mike DeSantis, but uh, just really unique. So it's, it's on my list, but not there yet. Yeah, I got a I got a box full of firewood over there when when I try to create darters. I was, I was like, it never works. <laughs> it's just sitting there. I'm like, wait till I start the fireplace up. So I'll chuck them in there. That's it. All right, go ahead. Um, we'll hand it back over to Lee. All my questions are answered, Lee. 
Um, so let's kind of switch into the more so the fishing part of your, you know, your life. Um, now we got most of the plug building questions answered. Um, I know you fish like Montauk, Long Island, and making trips to Block Island. What would you say, like your, you know, if you just had had your choice, like is it Boulder Fields? Like, what's your favorite area for fishing for strikers? You know, beaches, jetties. Um, I mean, I love rocks. I, you know, they are called rockfish after all. I think that's probably um, the one spot that I would love to target the most. And I think that's probably my favorite part of Block Island is that it's just an oasis of boulder fields and points and tidal pools. So for me, if, if there's a if there's a rock that I can wade out to or, or get out to, that's probably my favorite thing. You know, unfortunately for me, those rocks I do have to travel uh, pretty far to get to. As as small as Long Island is geographically, it's it's still a, a two hour journey for me just to get to Montauk, and then obviously you know Block Island's out in the middle of the, of the sound. So I spend a lot of time on open beaches, and honestly, I I really accept the challenge that comes with you know a south shore beach on long island because all it takes is is one good blow or one good you know storm or anything to come through and the structure and a place that i had been targeting fish for a couple days or a week or two weeks that was holding over it's just gone um i mean that there's some certain things that are pretty consistent especially around the inlets because there's some outer sandbars that's a a pretty crazy occurrence the way it happens just because of the sheer mass of water that flows through there um i'm not big on fishing um in the inlets uh because i do fish the majority of my time alone um but i will i will dabble with that every once in a while but i mean for the most part i, lo I love fishing rocks you know give me a pair of corkers any day and um like i said i, I love the challenge of you know open beaches um, I do fish some back bays, but that's usually seasonal. Um, I don't fish them all year round. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say I, I got to go with rocks and boulder fields. And that's, you know, probably one of the greatest experiences just being out on that rock and in the middle of the night, it's nothing but you in the ocean and, you know, can't see your hand in front of your face and then just bam, got some, got one on. So are you are you a wetsuit guy or a waiter guy or some of each or what do you like better? A little bit of both. Um, if I'm obviously fishing the open beaches, I'll just wear my waders and, and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, if I'm anywhere where there are going to be rocks, I'll wear a wetsuit. I mean, even if I'm out there like fishing with my father, I mean, he's 63 now. Uh, even if I'm spending the majority of my time, you know, only in up to my waist or whatever, I'll probably still wear a wetsuit anyway, just it makes it easier to release fish, if anything, because I, you know, I don't want to be out there getting hit by a wave when I'm in my waders and getting, you know, mulled over and, and worrying about that, you know, part of everything. Cause I think safety is probably first and foremost. And for me, uh, wetsuit equals safety, like 100%, you know, I mean, unless I'm doing something completely stupid, which I try not to do because I think my daughter, uh, kind of needs her father around. So I, I kind of keep it at a, and an even keel as to what my, uh, my, you know, level of extremeness will, <laughs> will allow. Yeah. That's a smart move. Yeah. I've never really got into the, the wetsuiting. Um, most of the spots that I fish is not absolutely necessary or I just won't 
go as far as to where, you know, I'll, I'll need a wetsuit to be safe. So I, you know, kind of, kind of haven't even gone that route before, but I understand it. Like there's certain areas where you have the wetsuit, you know, why not put it on? It's only, you know, going to make things easier on you. Yeah. You don't have to worry about peeing in your waders either. So (laughs) I got this, I got the zipper down the front. So that's, that's a super, super nice feature. I don't know. For me, I think I, I I fish the same beaches that Lee does, but for me, I don't know. I, I feel comfortable in a wetsuit. Like literally I'll throw a wetsuit on, throw my belt on and grab a surf rod. And I feel literally feel like a seal. Like I could swim out to the bar and I just don't care. Like waders, every time I have waders on, I like, I feel like I'm scared to step on the wrong for rock or step in the wrong sand hole and fall in and get water and get wet and get cold. Wetsuits is like, I'm already wet. I'm already kind of cold. I think, but you know what? It's I just I I feel like I'll dive in head first and just start swimming out to the bar and I'm not care. But like with a wetsuit, I'm all like be trying to be careful, trying to tiptoe, trying to not let water bounce over my 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 waders to get in. I don't know. I, I don't know. I like the feeling of wetsuit. It makes me look like a big big seal running down the beach, but I don't care. Hey, as long as it's not Shark Week, that's a good idea. Right. <coughs> I mean, what, uh, uh, oh, sorry, I wasn't. Biggest bass. I'm wondering because I'm looking at my list. And I'm like, I don't see it there. But biggest bass you've ever caught off the off the um, off the beach or off the boaters, uh, or off, or, off or, or any mem- or any memorable stories of a, of a decent bass. Off the beach, uh, 28 pounds. Uh, off a boat, 40. Uh, and I actually had two 40s in the same day, so that was that was a pretty special day, um, fishing out in Montauk. Um, Honestly, I, something uh, recently, I was uh, last, not last season, two falls ago, mm-hmm. um, I was actually fishing during the day and it was just, you know, throwing bucktails and just bam, out of nowhere, just fishing a, a, a hole on, on the side of a, a sandbar, you know, hooked into a 23 pound bass just right in the middle of the day. And I was just like, wow, like that was awesome because I mean, we were catching, you know, 24 inches 26 inches little guys and everybody else was fishing with like diamond jigs getting it out there and pulling out i'm like you know what i I hate throwing diamond jigs i mean i'll use them but i mean i that's a boat lure as far as i'm concerned unless i have a giant headwind in my face but i was like i'm just gonna throw a bucktail i like fishing a bucktail uh and everybody's like looking at me and all of a sudden everybody next to me is you know changing their diamond jig (laughs) do a bucktail (laughs) but it was uh it was a pretty good day but more so special just because i was out there with my father Oh, nice. I mean, it's always good when you're out there with your dad, but like, like literally, it's it's pretty amazing. But like, you know, it's funny. You you'll be the first one to switch, and all of a sudden you hook up and you hook up, and then you look down the line, right? And all you see everyone reach into their bag, pulling it out. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty funny. But I mean, a 28 pound bass off the beach is still a good bass. It's yeah. A, no. Absolutely. I mean, I I think they're they're all good depending, you know, on the tackle that you're using. I mean, I've caught you know, some smaller fish on some light tackle that just blew my world. I mean, I caught a, you know, a 16 pound bluefish on my, uh, my nine foot with a VSX 150. And that thing just took me for, I feel like I was trying to reel in a freaking, uh, torpedo. I was just, just, just running down the beach. And I was like, Oh my God, it's peeling dragon. And I'm literally like walking the wall in the beach with it. I'm like, Jesus. Uh, don't have to tell me about that. I, I hooked my first like 14, 15 pound gator blue this year on my nine weight fly reel. And it was not, it was like, it was like, what? Like I, I, I've landed bass on it, you know, like, you know, like 28, 30 inch bass on that fly rod before and never had an issue. 
but this bluefish was on some other world it felt like it was on steroids it just it just took me down to the backing and i was just like oh my god <laughs> it's yeah there's something now. else but those uh you guys get some you guys get that really good bluefish run up there though we ours down here is like a hit and miss but you guys up there it's like pretty consistent every season yeah they're uh I mean, we call them the tackle busters because you, you could be out there for, you know, two hours on a tide. And I mean, I've actually seen them bright, sunny days, you know, in the spring where if you, you know, have um, the right glasses on, you see the schools of the bluefish just swimming yeah. through the waves. And, you know, it's it's almost like sight fishing at that point <coughs> in time. You chuck something out there, boom, they're yeah. in. But they're, they're definitely a fun, fun thing to, to dabble with for sure. Lure makers love bluefish. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lure makers love bluefish no matter what. You guys, you guys probably you have you probably have a buck, a five-gallon bucket of like old throwaway plugs that you've messed up. Be like, yo, I'm saving these for bluefish when they come in. Uh, it's the worst. I mean, or even just like buying like a new. I mean, I remember my father told me a story one time. He's like, he's like, I'll never forget it. I bought a brand new rebel swimmer, blue, shiny chrome. First cast, boom, bluefish, everything ripped off the plug. It's like, well, that one's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when, what, you start, what, when you start building plugs that can withstand bluefish blitzes, that's a superior plug. That's going to be like nine layers of epoxy. <laughs> well, it's funny. I actually have a, a friend who just told me uh, that he, he's working on something that's going to send a gator blue home looking for a pair of dentures. Oh, uh, so we're going to see what, what, what he's got cooking. But, uh, Seemed like a pretty crazy, interesting process, and I'm definitely gonna, you know, get up with him and see if we can't work on something that's absolutely gonna do that. But he says he figured it out, so cool. we'll we'll know soon. All right. So, what's um your favorite? Like, what's your confidence plug when you're going out? You're not sure what the bite's gonna be. Um, what's the first thing that you put on, and why? Like, what's your confidence plug? Um, mine or somebody else's. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, either, you know, what, what is, you know, um, they want I mean, beach. definitely, definitely based upon, uh, the spot. So, I mean, if, if I'm dealing with a, a deeper, deeper area, I would say, you know, my slim troller is definitely what I'm going to throw on there first or, um, honestly, I mean, I'll, I'll fish around with a bucktail day or night, any time of day, just to kind of get a feel of the current and see what's moving on so i mean bucktail needlefish those are probably my two go-tos because i can fish them and cast them in any condition and i can fish them anywhere i want in the water column i like i like that he's super confident in needlefish you know there's not a lot of people confident in needlefishes that's like the one plug every surf caster i've talked to is they're not confident in throwing a needlefish because it has no action. It feels like a stick where you're dragging <laughs> through the surf. It's just like, but the fact that you said you're very confident in needlefish, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah they're, so, um, <laughs> go ahead, Lee. Nah, it's something that I talked to him about before. Just he's, he's always trying to give me confidence. Just, you know, I don't, I don't use them much because I don't have the confidence and I'm always asking him about them, you know, trying to build up my confidence a little bit. Yeah, I think out of all of our group, our group of guys, like I'm the only one that throws needlefishes. Everyone else will leave their needlefish in their bag. And I was like, if it's dark out, I'm throwing my needlefish. If I know there's sandy was around, I'm throwing my needlefish. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, especially if you have a, you know, a big crosswind or something, you need mm-hmm. to really get something out there. It's going to get out there. It's going to sink. It's going to get low in the water column. Uh, I'm actually working on a, uh, a level sink needle myself, which is a little over three ounces cast pretty damn good. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that one so far. Hopefully I can start putting that into production uh, sometime after this spring, as long as it, it keeps doing what I want it to do. Um, yeah, I don't know why nobody really likes the needlefish, but it, it actually can do so much because you can fish it. Uh, this might sound weird in a way like a bucktail. All you got to do is give it some action or um, I actually learned something really awesome from uh, Bill, from Bill Wetzel, where he would actually, he learned it from somebody because he was getting smoked fishing uh, needlefish <laughs> with somebody one night. And if you have your, your hand on the rod, just stick your pointer finger out and allow the line to slap it. Every time it goes around, like a, you know, like a, like a card on a bike spoke, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where it's clacking around, it'll yeah. create that little twitching motion that you're looking for. So I think it's just way more versatile than anybody really gives them credit for. Um, plus, why wouldn't you want to have something that you could cast into a 20 knot headwind and it's still going to go? <laughs> yeah, I've actually used that before. I stuck my, you know, pointer finger out and, and just give a little twitch every so often. I don't, I don't know if it's a needlefish or not, but a few different plugs. I'll use that as a, you know, a nice rhythm twitch. Yeah, I, th- I throw on needlefish during the day, too, when, like, you see bass slurping stuff off the top. I've literally thrown them. As soon as it taps the water, I start cranking them right away and then stop and then crank them away and stop. And then the bass will literally just come up and hit them off almost like top water. I know guys love mm-hmm. to take them out at nighttime, but I've, I've taken them out on daytime, and they've worked for me a few times. So it just depends on conditions, I assume, I guess. So yeah, you talk I mean, to, I, go ahead. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. No, I, I, you talked about the the needlefish um, and how you'd use that, and you also mentioned the bucktail, the the metal lip, and the darter. Um, for somebody who's who's not that experienced, give them give them a situation on where you might use each one of those. Um, I mean, needlefish, I'll pretty much use, um, anywhere. Um, you know, windy conditions are definitely favorite for that wind. Uh, I'll still fish a bucktail on that. Um, I mean, if it's really windy, I'm probably not going to be throwing a metal lip. I'm probably not going to be throwing a darter. I'm probably not going to be throwing one of my bigger plugs. That's where I'll kind of just, you know, dig into the majority of the other builds that people have. But, um, for me, bucktail, just around rocks, depending on where I am, because I mean, I'm not going to throw one of my pikeys into a boulder field with, you know, bubble weed on it because you can kiss that plug goodbye. Um, and then all your hard earned uh, work just goes out the door and then you, you know, snap in your braid, you got to retie and all that stuff. So I'll usually stick with a single hook around that. Um, a darter for me, it's current and sweep. And I think that's probably exactly why that was designed um, was because of the fact that you have a, you know a large body of water moving out of a channel or an inlet or a harbor somewhere or coming around a point um, and that's what makes that nice side to side action happen in there um, metal lips for me are calmer conditions for the most part I've, I'll fish them in moderate surf or if, I mean if I'm fishing a troller it doesn't really matter what's going on because it's so far down in the water column it doesn't really matter um, but metal lips with a little bit of white water um, is, is a favorite thing. I mean, I love the, um, you know, Zeno Roman talking about the, 
you know, the, the white water and, and fish in the metal lip. And I, I thought the way he writes is, you know, it's inspiring because he kind of really makes you believe. And if anything, I mean, I've gotten so much confidence in some of these plugs because of books that I've read. You know, when I think about a needlefish, I've read Dennis and Brada's, you know, surf casting around the block. And you know, I've had the pleasure of casting with him there. Um, and it, I think seeing that other people have confidence and believing in that will give you the confidence to fish those, those different items. Um, but I mean, a lot of things can be fished in, in almost any, you know, condition, as long as you can cast it the right way and you can get it to where you want in the water column. I don't see why you can't fish a plug that somebody says that's never going to produce. Well, well, maybe it might, maybe we might just be able to figure it out. You know, you don't have to cast a hundred miles either. I mean, I've had fish blow up five feet in front of my face that just scared the bejesus out of me um, because I really just wasn't expecting it. But, you know, it just goes back to finish your retrieve. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's a lot of good, a lot of good information there. Soaking it all up. Um, yeah, I actually in about finished up one of Zen's books and, and I, I feel the same way. And Dennis's book, uh, Surf Casting Around the Block, that's, I have that next in order i actually just just got it shipped in a couple of weeks ago i didn't get it started on it yet but yeah i mostly just wanted you you know kind of give a little information on you know guys that you know haven't had the experience that some of us have had you know in the surf or in in the bays and just like you know where because i know like when i was first starting um it was like you know so many plugs to use you know it's like where do where do i even start you know and I kind of like figure out one thing, you know, and, and where to use that and then jump on it. You don't need to figure out 12 different plugs at one time, figure out one thing and, and kind of stick with that and learn how to use it. Same way you fish, fish one area. If you fish 20 different areas, you'll never have them figured out. Fish one or two areas and figure those out. Then you'll learn why those fish are there. And, and then you can kind of, you know, pattern them to, you know, another area that's very similar and just on the opposite wind and, you know, all right, well, the wind's this way. I'm going to go to that same area where those fish are going to be on, on the other side of the island. And, you know, the, the wind's in their face on that side or the wind's in their back on that side. And, you know, that's that's a lot of good information there. So something that I like to ask, one of my favorite questions is, tell me something that you wish you knew when you were first starting out, like something that you've learned over you know the last you said eight years that you you kind of went back hardcore into into surf casting tell me something that or even a couple things that if you would have known then you could have you know jump-started your success even you know even more um for one thing um daytime scouting 100 percent um more so specifically certain types of tides so if I can get a, you know, a daytime low tide on a moon tide where I can really, you know, take a look at a spot, observe some structure, preferably in, you know, some calmer conditions, it really opens up a, you know, a whole new world essentially, because it's those rocks or that structure or that sandbar is probably underwater for the most part, 28, 29 days out of the year. 24 hours a day and it only shows itself three hours a month um and that's if you're lucky depending on what's going on with the weather so i if i, I would have learned to to really look at those things um 
you know, I know some people use like Google Earth. I've I've definitely looked into that. I've looked into to um, you know depth maps and stuff like that. Some actually some tools that I we used on a boat and we were studying where things were before we had a fish finder and stuff like that. And I'd say the second thing is probably take better log notes. And it it took me a little too long to really start writing down my notes and hammering down what and when. I mean, I had a good idea in my head, um, but ever since I started taking uh, better notes and I started seeing patterns that would correlate, whether it was based upon a moon phase or based upon you know a certain type of tide uh, going with a certain type of wind, or more so what winds not to fish. I mean, for me, if I'm if there's a wind coming out of the west, I'm probably not going to go fishing anywhere on an open beach. It's just not going to happen. It's a crosswind nightmare. Uh, and for some reason, I just have never shown success. So I always come up with a different game plan when it comes down to that. So uh, scouting and log notes. So it's basically not necessarily the fun part of fishing, but I think it's the necessary part to see success. Yeah, that's some that's some great advice. I know it's something that I need to do more, especially in the off season, you know, when you, when you're not getting out quite as much, but just figuring out like where all those cuts are and where, you know, what that structure is. And it, you know, the, basically the lowest low tide of the month, you know, which could be the new moon or the, or the full moon. And, you know, that'll tell you so much about, you know, when you go back there in the dark and you can't, you can't exactly see what, what is going on. You pretty much have it figured out already. And then the logbook, that's, that's something that I, I've done, you know, last few years. And I could, I can't even say how much that's helped me. Like I, you know, coming up this, this March, I'll be studying mine from the last few years. And I'll, you know, basically like I, on this moon, as long as the temperatures are, are pretty much where they need to be, like there's going to be fish showing up here on the beginning of the moon and they'll all be there three days the next three days after the moon and that's the backside of that this moon or that moon you know i know where these fish are going to be and unless something crazy happens like there's a very good chance you're going to have success on that and that, i i wouldn't remember that there's no way i'd remember that without you know all those details written down you know just even if it's sloppy even if it's something only you can understand it it doesn't matter just you got to make yourself doing it and it's not easy to do. I mean, there's so many times, especially the nights you don't catch, you don't feel like writing all that down, but that'll help you too. Um, even if you just start out with like before your trip or on your way, if, you, if you're going with a buddy, they're driving or, you know, vice versa, start putting some details down that way, you know, on your way home or when you get home, you'll just have to fill in all the unknowns that you didn't know ahead of time. And, you know, how many fish you caught or, you know, how the night went, but there's, you know, you'll, you'll know most of those details ahead of time, you know, what the wind direction is, what the moon phase is, what, you know, what the water temperature is pretty close. You know, you get exact once you get out there, but it's, it's not easy to do, but I know so many people that say, uh, if I would just started sooner, if I would just, you know, I just need to get started. And that's the thing. You kind of just have to just get into a routine and it's going to make you a better fisherman, no doubt. Yeah, you got to do your homework. I actually use uh, this wind. It's called Windy. It's an app. Uh, so usually when I'm going out fishing, I just open it up and I just take a screenshot. It'll give me barometric pressure, wind direction, uh, whether it's precipitation and stuff like that. So then I can kind of go off from that. And that's the historical data that I can't really go back on. I could 
I could Google the water temperature later on. I could go back and look at the moon phase later on. I could go back and look at the tide later on. Um, but the wind, the pressure, uh, I think that's the one thing that it's it's hard to really go back and look at historical data. Right. Some great advice. So do you? Uh, yeah. That's a great advice. Uh, I just want to ask this question before Lee knocks out the other two questions. Um, so you talked a little bit earlier that you had a daughter and she was into like athletic like soccer and stuff. Does she? Is she into fishing? Like she is. She. She is. Um, it's, I have to keep her engaged. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to work on her, her surf casting a little bit, but uh, yeah, she. Um... Can you guys still hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. She, she loves to get into it. I mean, as long as we're catching fish, she's still in it. So I mean, she is 10, so I got to, you know, keep things in the truck for her to start digging a sandcastle or try and bury me while I'm trying to go fishing. Uh, but yeah, she, I mean, she'll get out there, she gets into it. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that she'll keep doing that and continue that with me. But, um, you know, I mean, if, for me, I'm a big, I'm a big hockey fan. And I mean, she asked for tickets to an Islanders game for her birthday, which is next Friday. So I was like done and done. And then she's having her birthday party at uh, top golf on the Sunday after that, which I taught her how to play golf. I'm like, this is just working out great. So if we could just get fishing to fall in line with that, but she does fish, but uh, I'm hopeful. And, uh, you know, I might make a hell of an angler out of her one day. Yeah, I mean, 10 years old, they're at that age. If they aren't catching fish, like every fifth cast, they get kind of like distracted. So you got a few more years. And then, you know, when she finally clicks, you're like, my dad loves this and I'm liking it. You know, she, you may turn her into some crazy female angler out surf caster, man. There's quite a few of them out there. So you never know. 100%. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And the thing is, you don't want to like push it too much where she hates it now. And yeah. then when she's old enough to actually enjoy it and see, you know, put time into it, then she's not, you know, has no interest where, you know, hopefully down the road, like you said, you'll, you'll have your, your fishing partner for life. Really. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what, what did you, what would you say that your goals are for this coming year, 2022, or you have any uh, bucket list trips that you, you, you're hoping to try and make it out to this year or, you know, just, Tell me some of your goals. Um, I would say goal-wise, I definitely want to, you know, create some products. Uh, there's, you know, definitely a bunch of different style lures that I really want to, you know, start working on and, and just kind of diversify my things. I also want to start working on making some smaller plugs. Uh, you know, I definitely know there's a, a demand out there for uh, some lighter stuff. I have, you know, a friend down in, um, in West Palm Beach who, you know, fish for snook and stuff like that. And he wants me to make some, some small swimmers and uh, just branching out maybe a little bit, you know, for different species. I think that's definitely something that's a, a goal for mine. Um, I'd love to travel more fish with some of my friends, as we all know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a little hard sometimes, but if I can find the time, that's definitely something I need to make happen this upcoming season. Uh, and then for a bucket list trip, um, I got, I, I want to go to Cuddy. That's definitely something that, uh, I want to do and, and just experience, you know, that, that small Island with nobody around. And obviously I, I love block Island a lot. I, and I like going there in the off season. Uh, it's just like a, a whole nother world and it makes me feel like, you know, I'm on the earth and I'm just so far away from life in general, if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I think that's all of all of all surf casters kind of bucket lists, you know, cutty, cutty block and like 
Montauk as the Mecca and then like the canal, you know, have you ever had a chance to run yeah. up there? I have not. Um, I will probably do it at some point in time. Um, but I think I'd want to fish it at night and not necessarily during the day because yeah. I, you know, yeah. I think a lot of craziness happens at that place. And no, uh, we all know I really that don't happens. <laughs> feel like having somebody swing an 11 foot pole at me just because God knows what happened. But yeah. um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a remarkable um, spot to just have that large body of large fish moving through at such a fast pace. So it's, I'll definitely get there at some point in time. I, you know, I have a couple of friends that live up there that are pretty close to it. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to get out there and, and fish with them one day. I mean, as yeah, Surfcaster, I think it's just our rite of passage, though. We may not love it all the time, but we've got to be able to do it once, you know? Same That's thing it. same thing like Montauk, you know? It's like the Mecca. It, you don't have to always go there, but as a rite of passage, as a Surfcaster, you need to at least fish it and experience it once, so. Couldn't agree more. So, Quad, do you have any other questions you want to add? I think that kind of wraps up what, what we had. Oh, no. Um, no, it was, it was a fantastic episode, man. Learned a lot from learned a lot from Kevin and everything and his plugs are definitely top notch. Um, the only hard part about it is getting one of his plugs in your hand, man, that waiting list. <laughs> and, he, and he only turns it out four times a year. You know, it's a, it's almost like trying to hit the lottery, trying to get on that wait list. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm around, you can find me on Instagram. You find me on Facebook. Um, you know, just trying to do the best I can to get, you know, the best product I can in, in the hands of the people who want it. And, um, it's it's been an awesome experience getting out there and i mean there's nothing like just having somebody shoot you a message with a text and it's you know a picture of your plug in a in, a, in the mouth of a nice bass and you're like all right yeah like and that gets me even more pumped up to be like all right i gotta get back in the garage i gotta start making some more things but i mean i'm, pr I'm pretty stocked up I, you know i'm working on about 60 plugs right now i have another 100 or so that are prepped in, in backlog so you know i have them and uh if you want just contact me and and uh, I'll do my best to get it in your hands as soon as I can. Sounds good. All right. So this is where we're going to start wrapping it up. Um, Kevin, go ahead and give us your uh, your social media handles, where everyone can reach you if they want to get on the waiting list, one of the plugs, or, to, or even see what plugs you have available. And also if you have any sponsors you like to mention and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, on, on Instagram, um, Time Tide Lore, uh, one word. And uh, you can see a good amount of my product on there. You can also message me through. Uh, Facebook, I just go through my personal one. It's Kevin Brennan. Um, I have a whole bunch of stuff that's posted on there. You'll obviously, you'll get to enjoy all the pictures of my daughter on there as well. Um, and for me, uh, no sponsors, just um, just some support, you know, just various people that, you know, when I really first started selling lures, I mean, I've been making them a lot longer than I've been trying to sell them. Um, but, you know, I mean, Lee and his brothers have always been a huge, huge support, um, you know, John Caruso has been a great support. Chris Petransky has been one. Um, Billy Blobus, who uh, actually inspired me to build my troller, uh, landed a 50 on his first trip out there with it. So I knew I had something that was success. And that's the funny thing about that plug is that I didn't build it for myself. I built it for the guys that are on boats. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, all right, how can I incorporate that one for me to work that one off of the surf? Uh, then I just started tinkering around with it. But, uh, you know, that he just people that have inspired me to, to make various things for their needs. And that's kind of how my whole repertoire has come through. But um, I just can't thank everybody out there for, you know, the support and just giving me an honest try so I can, uh, you know, get my product out there. 
Sounds good. But Kevin, it was a pleasure having you on. You uh, gave us a, a lot of information that most of us don't know. And also, I, I guarantee you helped a lot of listeners. And guys, if you guys want to check out a super quality plug, if you love metal lips like most of us do, definitely check out Kevin over there because uh, I've seen some of his work and they are uh, pretty top notch. So give him, get, check him out, check out his work, reach out to him, get one of those plugs in your hand and just catch a big fish and make sure you send it to him. He, he, wants, he, wants to, he wants to feel motivated. So make sure you send that photo to him. Let him know. Yeah, Kevin, it's, it's, been, it's been awesome having you on here today. Um, and even aside from the, the plug, you know, plug building thing, um, I appreciate our friendship and, you know, I've, you got great values and you're a great person. I love your humility and, you know, thanks. Thanks again for coming on and spending time with us. It's been, been awesome. I had, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Let's keep going and on talking fishing with you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't thank you guys enough. I, I genuinely appreciate uh, you getting me on here and you know, you're right. You know, the friendship is absolutely amazing. And I mean, we can talk fishing till we're blue in the face every single day. And uh, for the most part we do. And, you know, um, just an overall thank you. It's been, uh, been a great night, great conversation. And, you know, hoping that uh, definitely can help anybody out, out in the, uh, out in the fishing community. Sounds good. Uh, me and Lee is going to stay on a couple extra minutes to close it out. But uh, once again, thank you, Kevin. Um, not much to say, but just, Thank you for coming on and just giving us your side of the industry, man. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. No problem. Have a great night, Kevin. Take care. All right, Lee. Now that that's a fishy guy. That's a definitely a fishy guy, man. You weren't lying. You know, I've I've known him for a few years now and he's you know, like I said, the plug building is, is a side, like he's, he's a great, great person. And, you know, he's, he does a lot for charity, does a lot for other people and he's not, you know, not looking for, you know, a pat on the back either. He just does it out of the generosity of his heart. And, you know, I, I mentioned you guys, you know, about getting them on here. And I was like, you know, it's just somebody that I, I think would be a great interview and, and a great, great time. And I, you know, I had a great time chat with you guys yeah definitely um just the way he talks you know he's just a really good personal guy um that's the thing with you know listeners out there just remember when you're when you're trying to find you know lures plugs stuff like that um it's always great to support support small businesses you know what i mean they they, they do it for the love and the passion you know sometimes half these builders they don't do it for the money you know as as a builder myself like you know just for fun there's, there's really no money in building lures. Uh, like a lot of these builders, they build it because it's a passion and they love do it. Just like, just like what Kevin said, he loves building plugs. It's just fun to him. So, you know what I mean? Support the small businesses, small type builders. Some of the time, you know, you know, they're good plugs because they invest every minute of their time into building these plugs. And, you know, for a fact, you know, Lee's put some pretty nice fish on his lures. He, you know, has some quality stuff out there. Um, besides that, once again, guys, uh, thank you for coming on um once again if you haven't already done so make, make sure you please like subscribe to our podcast share us if you can um we're also on waypoint tv podcast collective um follow myself on instagram you know that agent angler and we got lee saltwater heart fishing make sure you guys follow check out all their contents 
Um, you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Or if you think you, you're, you know someone or you're awesome, you think you would be a great guest on our show, reach out to us. Don't hesitate. You know, we always love fishing people that just want to talk fishing. That's all we ever want to do. Anything, any closing remarks, Lynn? No, you're good? We're good. Okay, cool. All right. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And um, have a great night. Keep those lines tight. And we'll see you on the next episode. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.